Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Everybody should like podcasts. Solve everybody's problems if they liked podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast that I'm aware of about the works and life of Martin Scorsese and Adam Sandler. My name is <laughs> Eric Halloween, and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Jeremy Deeds. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And we are, uh, we're two episodes deep now, Jeremy. We, uh, you know, if you're new to the podcast, we are, uh, we're going chronologically through the works of uh, these two fellas, these two guys. And uh, we're, we're gonna, you know, we're, we're, we're going back and forth. So we did a Sandler, we did Going Overboard last week. Uh, you know, people, big reaction, Jeremy, huge oh, reaction. Huge. Yeah. We, we came back, we came, we returned to the recording studio to a thunderous applause. Yeah. A movie, a movie that many people have seen, a movie that many people were willing to watch for this podcast and listen along and, um, and yeah, we're and we're reaction. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Right. Yeah. And uh, we're sorry for that. Yes, and you know, same thing with this movie. Another movie that everyone has seen and is going to uh, be dying, yeah, to hear people talk about. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited to talk about this one. It's it's me very, too, uh, buddy. I uh, there's a lot there. This is this is a there's a lot of movie in this movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, and actually, uh, a little spoiler to the uh, you know the production. There's multiple movies in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Jeremy, before we get too deep in here, I just wanted to uh, mention the Patreon uh, because I, I, you know, I was just made aware that we have a Patreon. Apparently, I've been doing every week, I've been doing a bonus episode with you. Are you, mm. how did you not tell me about this? Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I guess it must have slipped my mind. I was so busy, um, you know, preparing for the show, re- doing research, watching the movies over and over again. Sure. Yes. That I guess I must have forgot to tell you. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, no, no. We, you've been doing a bonus uh, podcast with me for about two years. <laughs> Incredible. Mm-hmm. So what? Are, so I guess I first thing I want to know is what? What do we talk about? What are the what is the what is that bonus podcast? This bonus podcast is absolutely phenomenal. I'm surprised you don't remember it actually. It it's it's just a bunch of us getting together and letting our hair out. You know what I mean? We oh, yeah. our our hair does like an herbal essences commercial via 2002. You know what I mean where we just kind of let it fall down to our shoulders in the breeze, kind of waving it around. While we talk about movies like Gummo, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Gummo or uh, or what was our last episode? Actually, we're doing Muppet Month right now. So if you're listening in the month of April, you can uh, you can you can hop on the Patreon right now and catch Muppet Month. We did uh, 
we did the the the, the first Muppet film uh, last week, and this week we covered uh, the Muppet Great Muppet Caper. I believe it's the name of the movie. Sounds great. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, no, no. Do you, do, Eric? You gotta check it out. If you do not subscribe to your own Patreon, let me tell you, it it yes. is just chock full of. I mean, I and I do not exaggerate when I say hundreds of hours of glorious content, glorious hashtag content. And that's what do I do? I type in W two W's or three. I believe it's three and then a dot. Or I believe nowadays you can actually just type in <laughs> patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. That is patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. You subscribe at the $5 tier and you get access to, I mean, just a world of, of bonus content dating all the way back to the year of our Lord, 2018. Now, Jeremy, real quick, I want to, you know, I want to break break free from this awful bit that I've been doing and and, and just address the, uh, we've already gotten some pushback from the listeners, Jeremy, on mm. the concept of us skipping some of the Adam Sandler movies. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> well. So um, here's, because part of what we, basically the idea is we kind of want to just do his starring Film the films he stars in, yeah, um, and maybe pick some of the other ones, you know, on the main feed. Uh, because if we did every single like cameo he does, we uh, will have like twice as many Sandler movies as there are Scorsese's. And I just like some of them are just like kind of almost not worth doing. However, uh, there I, are I think a few. That's unrealistic, though, to assume that we would do like. I mean, the guy is in. I think his IMDb was like over a hundred entries. We'd be doing this for two years straight. (laughs) But I will say, you know, it has been pointed out uh, by Brian that, you know, the film Coneheads uh, could warrant some discussion. I think there are some other ones out. There's definitely some other ones out there that I would like to talk about it at some point. And what I'm going to say is, um, you know, we'll kind of stick to the starring, the films that he stars in during the main show. Yes. And we're going to do, we'll do some of these other, you know, more minor roles. Yeah, we'll do the, the hot Patreon. chick on the Patreon. <laughs> yes, we'll do, we'll do those and we'll actually, we'll even, you know, I'll, if I, if I think of it, I'll, I'll figure out a way where I can do some like polls on the Patreon and, and we'll skip the ones that like no one wants to hear us talk about. But yeah, yeah I think I would like to do, I guess, a Coneheads episode at some point. Um, That's fine. I, I think there's, I think, I think if, if fans want to make a case for why a movie is worth uh covering um that sandler is in i I think that i think what i'm gonna want to hear by the way in these arguments though is like (laughs) that sandler is like a crucial or integral part of it like that like without him it may just be a cameo but like it's an important cameo or a famous cameo uh, because I'm I, the point of this is to talk about these films, sure, but it's also to talk about the creators, right? The the, the sure. Scors- Scorsese and uh, the Sandman. So you know, right. we're not just covering. You know, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry to cover. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. We're covering it because we want to talk about the Sandman's body of work and how this fits into that. So I, you know. I'm I'm down to do whatever. I think the Patreon's a good place to put some of those, yes. you know, the animal or uh, or whatever. We should do a month of Schneider. 
That might be what we do. We do a month of a month of Rob Schneider. We'll knock a bunch of them out. We'll yeah. do a month a month of Schneider. Okay, what's uh hmm. That sounds like a summer activity for us. The, the Sh- it does. Schneider summer. Yeah, summer of Schneider. Well, no, no. We, we call it uh we call it the Schneider cut. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeremy, um, you know, before we dive in, I want to bring back an old segment that we used to do. Um, do you remember this segment that I that I did called uh, Lynch or Kubrick mm-hmm. when we were covering those two guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm bringing back this segment for this episode, and I'm 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 renaming it Marty or Sandy. Okay, good. And I like it, Jeremy. I have four quotes here. From interviews from either Martin Scorsese or Adam Sandler. <laughs> okay. I would like you to guess who said that quote. Okay, so here's right. the first one. The fact that you can see a movie at home, it's great. You're making it for as many people as to see it as possible. And that's nice. That is Martin Scorsese. Jeremy, that was Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was a big fan of Kurt. <laughs> I, w- I was a big fan of Kurt Russell growing up and I always wanted to be <laughs> to be the modern day Kurt Russell. Damn it. That's got to be it's the Sand Sandler. Yeah, that's Adam Sandler. All my life, I never really felt comfortable anywhere in New York except maybe in an apartment somewhere. That sounds like Sandler also. That's actually Martin Scorsese. Really? Surprisingly enough. I, that's a weird quote because I... It is. He's Mr. New York. He is Mr. New York. He grew up there. Yeah. I mean, I got that from just some website, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who knows? Good. Good. Uh, okay, and the last one. Anyway, that's how I got the name Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> now, that one's a... Uh, this has got to be a trick question. I'm going to guess... Adam Sandler. It's Stanley Kubrick. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So, Jeremy, we're we're this is our first, you know, let's say Martin Scorsese's filmography is a swimming pool. Okay. And this episode, we're taking our little toes, we're putting on our water shoes. You ever wear water shoes? Not once have I worn those, but I get the concept. <laughs> We're okay. We're taking off our water shoes. <laughs> okay, and we're I'm... dipping our toes into the water, past the base of each toe, almost to like the midway. Like half of our toe is in the water in this episode. All okay, right. we're dipping our toes into the Scorsese world, and I think the first thing. Uh, I don't know how to continue this metaphor. So, uh, anyway, I think the first thing we should do is kind of figure out where each other is at with Scorsese. And I want to know, like, what's your history with wearing water shoes? What's your history with Martin Scorsese's uh, films? And I guess, like, generally, how do you feel about him? Um, So I love Martin Scorsese, the man. I love the guy. I think he's, to me, he's like another one. He's like another David Lynch, where he just seems like... A really sweet, now super old man who back in his youth was a lot more ferocious, maybe, mm. and um, and but but just a an absolute artist, 
uh, an unflinching, you know, creator, auteur, really. And um, I admire a lot of his work. I, I, I'll admit, uh, there are movies of Martin Scorsese's I do not like. Um, or I just like don't what? don't really understand. Like I'm not a big fan of the gangs of New York. I'm excited to revisit right. it and talk about it on the show, but uh, I I think Daniel Day Lewis is great in that movie, and everyone else sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I I uh, I think some of his some of his <laughs> films. Um, but I'm also like a super huge fan of some of his underrated films or, or not super talked about films like Bringing Out the Dead. So I, again, like I'm, I'm really, I have not seen a lot of his, a lot of his films and, uh, I, I am excited to actually go through and watch the, and, and, and watch some of them for the very first time. Um, like I've never seen Kundun. I've never seen Silence. I've never seen, uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Or New York, New York. I mean, there's a ton of films of his that I have not seen. You know, when we did Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch, I I'd seen all of their work, I think other than maybe elephant man <laughs> or right. fire walk with me. But, uh, you know, or that first Kubrick film, God gross. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> I, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I really love the guy though. And I've been watching interviews with him, uh, preparing for, you know, just the show in general, uh, all week. And, just, I just think he's, I think he's great. I think he's, beyond just being a great filmmaker, he's one of my all-time favorite, like, filmmaker personalities. Like, like guys talking about movies. You know what I mean? Like, mm. in interviews, I'm always, uh, I always appreciate what Marty has to say about something. Um, what about you, Eric? I actually don't know. Yeah, he's one of those guys where I've, like, seen you know, so many Scorsese movies, some of them multiple times. And, you know, After Hours is probably the only movie of his that I've seen so far that I would consider one of my favorite movies of all time. That being said, I think almost every movie of his that I've seen, I've really liked. Wow. Um, And I've they've just kind of been, like, sprinkled throughout my, uh, I don't know, my, like, career... Uh, Career is a weird word, but you know my Career. my life is like a film nerd <laughs> kind of yeah. guy. Like you know, you just end up, and I I just always knew a you know it's a Scorsese movie. I'm always kind of on on board with. I know I'm gonna I know I'm gonna like it. Uh, I'm gonna see something interesting. Yeah. The thing for me is, I I don't love like uh, what's it, like organized crime. <laughs> stuff that much which is like a decent chunk of his his work man he and must have really hated mobster month <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i don't know like i like some of it casino i do think is good but i don't even like this is people are not gonna like me saying this oh no you're gonna, you don't like goodfellas don't you i don't like goodfellas that much <laughs> and i i was never able to finish the first godfather film so I've never seen any of the Godfathers uh, all the way through. It's just like one of those things. Uh, like I talked about with this bear with the, this with Barry Lyndon, which Barry Lyndon is a movie that is like I hate watching films that are like set in that time period. Mm -hmm. Like that aesthetic just puts me to sleep. Phantom yeah. Thread was like this too, but yeah. those uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Kubrick were able to like make a movie that is good enough for me to get past that. And that's what, right. like, Casino is for me. Um, mm. And I don't know. I mean, like, 
I guess I kind of like the organized crime stuff, but it's not. I, I, I don't know. It 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 kind of bores me to an extent. Um, that being said, you know he's just one of those guys that I've never really known anything about. I've just known like, oh, this is a director that I like, and I you know he's been pretty consistent for me. Um, yeah. Sort of like, uh, I don't know, just like a name, like Ridley Scott. I'm like, I don't know anything about Ridley Scott, the person. Right, right. I've never really gone through and like really intentionally watched every Ridley Scott movie, but I know that I like Ridley Scott movies. Sort of the same thing. Right, right. Although it, with Scorsese, I, there's also this thing that he's like sort of in a way like the, you know, the godfather of cinema. Is that who they say that about or is that someone else? Uh, he's definitely like uh, his name. He's, he's got one of those names that, that is synonymous with great movies. Like, right. like whenever you say like, you know, you see a good painting and you're like, Oh, that's my friend Joseph. You know, he's like the Scorsese mm. of painters. You know what I mean? It's like, he's, he's got one of those names. That's like, just means, guy who's made great films like so right. yeah i agree i think he i don't know if he's i don't know if he's the godfather of cinema that might be the guy who invented the camera or something <laughs> probably but yeah. but he's uh he's definitely you're right he's definitely one of those guys that just you know we take kind of almost take for granted it's like oh yes yeah, a scorsese movie is probably amazing but maybe almost and maybe that's kind of the problem is the expectations really high on a lot of his films? Uh, that's why... Okay, so for the listeners of this show who don't know, Eric came on Double Double Feature Feature, another film podcast I, I, I do, and he brought on the movie After Hours. And that's why I was so blown away by After Hours, is because my, ex- uh, my expectation was so low. And it was like, holy... F- this movie's great. You know what I mean? Right. And I was like, you know, like, it, it's... Like, when you come to Raging Bull... You're expecting this is supposed to be the greatest movie of all time. It's almost like begging yeah. you to not like it in some sort of way. But like this film that we're going to talk about today, I thought was fantastic, and I knew nothing about it, and I expected it to not be very good or to at least be kind of boring. And it wasn't that boring, and it was pretty. It was pretty great. And I, I don't know. I think I think that I think that I'm going to try to like lower, not lower my expectations, but like reframe like my enjoyment of Martin Scorsese. To, so it's not so um, overwhelming. Like, you know, when you watch Citizen Kane, it's like you're watching Citizen Kane. <laughs> so it's almost like too much, you know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I You know, another thing that's really interesting to me about him and, you know, Kubrick. Okay, so we get like Mean Streets. I don't know anything about Boxcar Bertha, but within these first five films, we we do get Mean Streets and Taxi Driver, um, and then uh, not too long after that, we get Raging Bull and The King of Comedy. You know, Kubrick. It took him a while. It took him a while to really get there. Like The Killing is a is a pretty great movie, and there's some good, really good movies early on. But like, right. you know, Mean Streets is considered like a classic. Right. You know, and this is Scorsese's third movie, and then you cut to um, fifty years later. He's doing, you know, I haven't seen The Irishman yet. Um, well, let's do The Wolf of Wall Street. You cut to like forty years later, and he does The Wolf of Wall Street, which is like the big, you know, one of the biggest movies of the year. Uh, inarguably, a good movie, whether or not you, you know, it's your thing or not. Totally. It, it is a very good movie. 
Um, so I'm also interested to see like, is it has he really been that consistent? Because he does seem it does seem like he's he's had uh, you know, kind of been putting out like hit after hit to an extent. Right. I you know again like I'm. Uh, maybe kind of in the minority here of of just kind of thinking that a lot of you know he makes so many movies which is what's so cool about him is that he has a huge body of work but maybe some of them aren't really for me like yeah i don't i don't think they're i don't think they're all gonna be for me Uh, again like uh, you know there's even kubrick movies i could kind of do without but i i think that uh you know it's 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 rare. It's it's kind of too much to ask of, of a director that you'd love every single one of his right. films. But I think I think Scorsese though in particular, I I mean there's gonna be a few that I'm just gonna be pretty cold on. But over overall though, like I really just dig the guy. I think he's I think he's cool and I'm excited that we're doing his body of work because I I haven't actually seen a lot of his movies and I think Eric, I, I think I'm gonna find a new favorite while doing this yeah. podcast. I think I'm going to find a new one that actually is like, oh, this one's now my new favorite. <laughs> Do you have a favorite right now? Other than After Hours? You can't use After Hours. Um, other than After Hours... Probably Casino, huh? I guess Casino, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i a big fan of Bringing Out the Dead. I think that's, that's a great one. I have not one. seen that yet. And then I really like, uh, I also like, I do, it's kind of crazy. I really like The Irishman. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know what I'm really hoping to find is I'm hoping to find whatever we get out of After Hours. Because After Hours to me is like so different. Um, than any other Scorsese film that I've seen, but it also just feels like a Scorsese film at the same time. For I sure. want, I don't know if it's like just the story or what it is about that movie that I love so much, but I want to find that, you know, experience in another film of his. Um, sure. and because there's a lot that I haven't seen. So, anyway, w- let's get into, um, this movie, I was telling you off air that I keep forgetting the name of it. So it was originally, <laughs> it had, uh, part of why it's annoying to Google this movie is it was originally called something else called, uh. let's see, I Call First mm. was what it was originally called. Now it's called Who's That Knocking at My Door? Um Oh, I guess before I get into that, I did write down just a couple notable things about like Scorsese up to this point. You know, obviously we've talked about his, you know, he's very, very much widely regarded as one of the best director, the most influential directors in film history. Uh, some themes, uh, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, that he hits on in a lot of his films, and we see in this movie quite a bit, is Catholic concepts of guilt, redemption, faith, machismo, nihilism, crime, and sector, sectory, sectarianism. <laughs> I don't know. What Sicario. That is. Yeah, and Sicario is one of the themes. Ah, great. That's in all of his movies. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, he studied at NYU, received a bachelor's degree in English literature, master uh, in fine arts and film from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts in 1968. Uh, 
He had initially desired to become a priest, attending a preparatory seminary, but failed uh, after the first year. In 67, Scorsese, uh, his first feature film, Who's That Knocking at My Door, was released and accepted into the Chicago Film Festival. Um, We'll get into the response to that in a second, but some of his uh, mentors, John Cassavetes, uh, whose chatty improvisational, improvisational style did much to influence Scorsese's scripts and production work, and who told him to make films about what you know. Uh, since Scorsese did grow up in Little Italy and Manhattan, uh, and mm-hmm. both of his parents, his parents were Italian uh, actors who also had day jobs. Um, we I, I, apparently, from from what I've uh, uh, read, he uh, knew or like was you know adjacent to like some organ like there was some organized crime happening in little italy mm. you know around that time that he uh i guess witnessed i don't think he was like part of a mafia or anything but you know it was like something that existed in his culture um as a boy uh he had asthma could not play sports uh so his parents and older brother would often take him to the movie theaters this is where he developed a passion for film uh he has said that he has he was at an early age enamored by historical epics. Uh two films that he cites are Land of the Pharaohs and El Cid. Uh I thought you know I've heard about El Cid a lot. Have you ever seen that one? No. I'm guessing hmm. that that it that is Spanish for the Cid. <laughs> you got to imagine, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, we're talking about who's that knocking at my door, and uh, you know, Roger Ebert. He, I got to imagine a young Roger Ebert saw this movie at the Chicago Film Festival, and he called it a marvelous evocation of American city life, announcing the arrival of an important new director. Mm. So yeah. No. He. I mean, did you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So is this like a quote that he used from uh, the Chicago International Film Festival? Is that? Is oh, that I where don't know. Maybe it's. Yeah, maybe I read that out of context. He okay. So he he called the film. Uh, this is from Wikipedia. He, Roger Ebert, uh, when he first saw it, was super excited. He called the film a work that is absolutely genuine, artistically satisfying, and technically comparable to the best films being made anywhere. I have no reservations in describing it as a great moment in American movies. Later, mm. after it released in theaters, Ebert admitted he had been perhaps a little overeager with his first review, <laughs> admitting <Got it. laughs> that Scorsese was occasionally too obvious and the film has serious structural flaws. <laughs> However, he was still very highly positive towards the film and suggested that it is possible that with more experience and maturity, Scorsese will direct more polished, finished films. Isn't that crazy to hear somebody yeah. talking about Scorsese saying, Perhaps, <laughs> you know, with a little bit more experience, he's going to direct some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very And funny. to, like, call that, to just to be able to call that and, like, just watch this guy eventually blow up to be one of the most influential directors of all time. Yeah. It's pretty great. You know, I, I had a, a friend uh, when I was a kid. You know you know that band Snow Patrol? What oh, was the, yeah. What was the song they did? 
Is it the song? It's like, if I just lay here. Yeah. You know, the, if yeah. I just, uh, 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 just forget the world. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend uh, when I was like 14, you know, like a year before that song was on the radio all the time. He, we were at a, a a Best Buy, and he bought this CD for this band Snow Patrol, and he was like, "I'm telling you, this song that they do is gonna be the, is gonna be huge," mm-hmm. and it was. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He did it. Um, yeah, it's like a way way less cool version of the uh, Roger Ebert thing. So in '67, uh, Scorsese made his first feature film, uh, Black and White. I Call First, which was later retitled Who's That Knocking at My Door, with his fe- uh, fellow student actors, uh, Harvey Keitel and editor Thelma Shoemaker, yeah. both of whom were, were to become long-term collaborators. Thelma Shoemaker, dude, the one and only. She's like she's like absolutely incredible, an incredible editor. She's been his editor on, I think, every, just about every film that Scorsese has done. Um, including uh, a handful of other films by other directors. Mm. Uh, she's she's the best, and her her husband is uh, also another well known uh, filmmaker in his own right, who's uh really good too. Uh, uh, Michael Powell, I believe is his name. Michael Powell, um. Yeah, he unfortunately passed away in 1990, but he is the director of the uh, Red Shoes. So there. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, also, uh, Keitel's co-star Zena Bethune, Bethune, Bethune. I'm trying to cover all the possible pronunciations. Uh, it was Scorsese's uh, feature film uh, directorial debut and Keitel's debut as an actor. Uh, okay, exploring the themes of Catholic guilt. Uh, similar to those in his later film, Mean Streets, the story follows Italian-American as he struggles to accept the secret hidden by his independent and free-spirited girlfriend. Uh, okay, so here we're getting into the uh, why this movie is maybe a little bit... Uh, Weird. Uh, it was filmed over the course of several years, undergoing many changes, uh, new directions, and different names along the way. Uh, it began as a st- uh, student film, a short film in 65 about J.R. and his do-nothing friends called Bring On the Dancing Girls. Mm. Um, in 67, the romance plot with Xena Bethune was introduced and spliced together with the earlier film, and the title was changed to I Call First. I think that, that the Xena stuff was like also part of another short film. Like From what I understand, this film is like two or three short films. According to, according to IMDb, it says, it says that that... Um, that in order to get distribution for his film, Martin Scorsese was told to add nude scenes yes. so it could be promoted as a sexploitation film. Mm-hmm. So he shot the fantasy scene showing JR imagining encounters with prostitutes. Um, that was done later as a way to get it distribution, which makes a lot of sense because that comes out of, <laughs> comes out of nowhere. <laughs> right. 
Um, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So, yeah, this is kind of actually making a lot of sense now. Huh. So, yeah, the lo- even the love story, which is arguably the heart and soul of the film, I think, wasn't there from the beginning. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I had that same reaction too after I like learned that bit of information. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. That, I guess that explains that scene because it comes out of nowhere and it just like is weird in context of right. like, everything else that happens before and after it. But, uh, let's see. Uh, film was shot on a combination of 35 millimeter and 16 millimeter cameras. Scorsese shot almost uh, most of the 35 millimeter footage with a Mitchell BNC camera, very cumbersome camera that was, that was hard to move around. Uh, he opter- opted to shoot several scenes with the 16 millimeter in order to introduce greater mobility than blew up the footage. Yeah, that um, also looked to be the case when I watched it. That it, like it some so. of it looked awesome and then some of it looked like I was watching like yeah, just old old crummy transfer like VHS tape that was that someone had put a magnet on. <laughs> Oh, also that scene, uh, that sex scene that they added was like, um, I didn't notice at the time, but I'm sure if I went back and watched it, I would notice it. It's apparently pretty obvious. It's like four years, like Kaitel's like four years older, basically. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's weird seeing a young Kaitel. I'll also say that. Like, I've seen him old right. so much more than I've seen him young. And yeah, he's uh, he's, he's a handsome young man. Jeremy, did you know that it's uh, in the film industry, it's bad luck to have a question mark in the title of your movie? I actually didn't know that, really. Me neither, but apparently that's why there's no question mark in the in this title. Well, then answer me this, Eric. Who uh-huh. did frame Roger Rabbit? Huh. <laughs> well, I guess that defies the... Uh, the uh, well, the I don't myth. know. Maybe that film bombed, though, actually. I, I actually have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it could have bombed. Um, interesting. Uh, so Jeremy, this is not the only time Harvey Keitel has played the lead role in the de- debut film of an acclaimed director. Mm. He also starred in the first features from Ridley Scott and Quentin Tarantino. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's how that's pronounced. Yeah, it's Quentin for sure. Yeah, that's that's cool. That is cool. What a career this guy's had. Yeah, I, I, I never really consider Harvey Keitel to be one of the greats or one of my favorites, but he's been around forever, and he's been around the block with some of the fam- most famous filmmakers of all time. Very well respected in the industry, I, I suppose. You got to imagine Keitel's, uh, you know. I, get, I bet you he's got like... Uh, one of those cards at at Subway that gets him, you know, free sandwiches. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I like uh, Harvey Keitel in the Grand Budapest Hotel. What does he do in that? He's he's one of the prisoners. In that oh. <laughs> uh, Scorsese's mother, Catherine Scorsese. This is not the first time, or the the only time we'll be talking about uh, Kathy Scorsese. Mm-hmm. She appears. In the beginning, 
making the dough. She's like kneading dough. You know what I mean? And uh, just making making some food. Uh, she apparently appears in many of Scorsese's films uh, until her death in 1997. <clears throat> so, you know, I almost want to come up with like a sound a sound effect or something when we when we talk about. Catherine Scorsese. Oh, we should. Like a bullhorn goes off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Jeremy, uh, what do you say we dive into the plot here? Do you happen to have it uh, pulled up? Yeah, do you, you, have the... you want me to do it? Yeah, go through it. I, I believe all it's right. a little brief, but... It's, it's, it's brief. We're, it's going overboard all over again. Uh, J.R. is a typical Catholic Italian-American young man on the streets of New York City. Even as an adult, he stays close to home with a core group of friends whom he drinks and carouses around with. So, I guess right off the bat, uh, this movie starts, and I actually don't know what's going on. They're, like, beating the shit out of a guy on the street. Um, Presumably, it looks like maybe for fun. It also looks like this is a bit of a rocky situation where... Like him and his buddies are kind of shaking down people for money, like like people who owe them for money. So I thought this was going to have sort of a mobster f- a flavor to it, and it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I saw these guys as just just like uh like a much lighter. They're like Droog's light. They're like yes. Uh, they have the spirit of the Dro- of Droog's in yeah. Clockwork Orange, but they're like much more petty crimes. And, right, and, you know they don't wear silly, you know, outfits. They are they are sillier than Droogs somehow. Even though Droogs are silly <laughs> yeah. looking, they're like yeah. Droogs are very serious to deal with. Yeah, um, yeah. We're gonna see, okay. So I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mean Streets, which is uh-huh. Scorsese's first, I think, great film. But uh, th- this group of friends, uh, headed up by Harvey Keitel, is we're going to see this kind of thing again with mean streets i think it's going to be done better in mean streets i think you're gonna you're gonna like it more and understand it more and kind of get more involved in these in these young men's lives here i don't feel like i really had time to kind of care about them that much like no i don't know who any of them are besides kaitel i love a lot of the scenes with them like the way they're shot like, Me like too. for example, the you know it's the scene where they're all kind of goofing around, but the guy has that gun to that guy's head. <laughs> right. That, yeah. That yeah. that scene I really liked. It's like slow motion, and it's just music playing, and like there's no you don't hear the the men screaming, and and, and there's a part a point where Scorsese like rewinds the film and shows you the same clip again and again, and it's really like artfully done. It's it's cool. Um, but other than that, I don't really get who these people are, and I think there's a, that that part when we get to the uh, the where they're like hooking up with a girl, right? And then they're like they they bust in and like harass her and the guy she's with. Yeah, and that part I'm just like, ugh, I hate these guys. <laughs> Right. Um, there's yeah. uh, also for Kaitel's character. There's like a turning point. You know. There's. Right. I mean. I guess. I don't know. How far are we are we into reading this? Is this I, like, not far at all. I just wanted okay. to kind of like when we got to a place where I felt like 
there, we had a jumping off point to like talk freely. I was like, maybe yeah. we'll just talk about all the stuff with the dudes now because yeah. we're about to get into the meat and potatoes of the film, which I think is the relationship. Right. Um, okay. Also, there was like, <laughs> this is how much I know about Scorsese and like how much of an idiot I am about classic film. Mm-hmm. The, when I was watching this, there were like a few moments where I was like, there were a few shots where I was like, oh, this is like reminiscent of uh, one of Scorsese's later movies that I've seen, uh, The Conversation. Uh-huh. For some uh-huh. reason, I thought The Conversation was a, which of course is a Coppola movie. That is a Coppola but, uh, movie. Yeah. There, there was a, there's actually a specific shot in this um, where I was like, this looks exactly, I was like, I could see how he went from this to The Conversation. Right. The Conversation's and, uh, a good movie, yeah. by the way. That's it's very good. We we should do Coppola at some point too. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, uh, what was the? Oh man, we had a good title for if we were gonna do Sandler and Coppola. I can't remember what it was though. Oh yeah, it was uh, Big God Daddies. Big, big God Daddies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, he gets involved with a local girl he meets on the Staten Island ferry and decides he wants to get married and settle down. Um, I, I'm like really impressed with this very first scene, uh, where they meet and he's sitting next to her and the camera, it's like all one shot and the camera is sort of moving around them as he's sort of trying to sit closer and maybe read her magazine a little bit. Do you know what the scene I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 I thought this was great. And also, uh, hilarious that this is what Martin Scorsese thinks flirting is. (laughs) <laughs> which is a guy that just he just bombards a woman by talking about John Wayne and movies that no one cares about <laughs> like right like he this is like the most like i i wish i could just take this scene and just put it on twitter it's so funny how like this guy just like thinks that movies are so cool and that everyone's yes. going to care about how cool he thinks these movies are. And that that is attractive to yeah. this, like, beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how they meet. Um, as their re- relationship deepens, he declines her offer to have sex because he thinks she's a virgin and he wants to wait rather than spoil her. So, yeah, we're kind of getting the uh we're kind of getting some hints at maybe some toxic masculinity early on in the film. I mm-hmm. thought he didn't want to have sex with her because he was a Catholic. Yeah, me too. Maybe that is the case actually. <laughs> and Yeah, we have historically it seems that Wikipedia authors like to insert their own interpretations into right these plot overviews. I so. I still think the way I interpreted it is that he was actually a virgin and mm. didn't want to or maybe just did you know was feeling guilty about wanting to sin or whatever. So, one day his girlfriend tells him that she was once raped by a former boyfriend. Uh this sequence is uh handled I think really well. Now I, Eric, what? How did you feel about the whole like when she tells him the story and like the way it's shot and the the flashback sequence and all that? Uh, it's really upsetting. 
yeah. I I felt very uh, not good watching it. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I I you know I. I guess I'll say this now. I I kind of didn't understand what this movie's like what the the stance was here. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. understand like what the take was. Yeah. Um cuz we see uh, Kaitel's character uh has not a great reaction to this. No. He um, so he yeah. does the opposite of what <laughs> you know, you, you're supposed to believe, you know, victims of uh, assault and, 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 you know, support them and, 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 you know, definitely not call them liars, which is pretty much what he does to this poor woman. Yeah. He and, he handles yeah. it in a way that I would even argue that maybe, like, no person I've ever met would handle it. <laughs> like, it's really, yeah, it's, it's upsetting. So here's the thing is, you know, he is this the thing that we're missing the context we're missing in this film eric is i think that to grow up in new york in the 50s an italian american is to have these sort of ideas of religion and sex and sin and women's roles versus men's roles and machismo and all this stuff so i think what scorsese has been teeing up the whole movie but by the time we get to this is that this character is not going to know how to handle this like in a delicate way. Right. So when when she finally does, you know, in and I think like uh, a a performance that is one for the books, this Zena Bethune yeah. who I have never I've She's never good. seen again, um simply just called the girl as uh, her character name. She she get, she delivers this this whole monologue and it's really really great. Uh, yeah, like like we said, Harvey Keitel like loses it. <laughs> he like loses his mind. Uh, according to Wikipedia, this crush- crushes Jr. and he rejects her and attempts to return to his old life of drinking with his friends. Um, however, after a particularly wild party with friends, he realizes he still loves her and returns to her apartment one early morning. He awkwardly tells her that he forgives her. And says that he will marry her anyway. <laughs> oh my God. So, at this, uh, you know, a- apartment where they're like hanging out, um, I mean, they essentially like attack a, a-, a lady, an innocent, like an innocent lady. That's what I was talking about earlier, with like this yeah. horrible scene that, that I thought that he that. was gonna like, like he has this, you know disgusting like reaction where he's like not believing that this girl that he's seen has you know gone through this thing and then he goes and like is basically involved in you know assault kind of yeah yeah he's basically involved in another assault yeah i guess that's okay but it's not okay that somebody was raped against their will that's not okay but for you to turn around and do that that's okay yeah it's it's like so it's like super troubling. Um Yeah. Yeah, he's a pathetic character. He we we know we see but him he at doesn't, first and, yeah. he doesn't start out that way. You know well, what I mean? Like yes. he we we kinda like we're like, oh he's at the beginning, you know, we're talking like, oh he's just this like silly, like mo- like nerd for like Western movies who like 
who's just like this awkward guy. Yeah, we're rooting yeah. for him a little bit. We're, we're, yeah. We definitely think he might be a little bit of a scamp or scoundrel, but we're rooting for him. We, you know, we want him to get the girl or whatever. We want them to live happily ever after. But um, he messes that up, and he comes back to her, and he doesn't, he, you know, at, at the very best, best case scenario, he doesn't understand anything. He doesn't understand what he's talking about. He doesn't under he doesn't have a clear grasp on like sort of the gravity of what the situation is, what that's like for a person, you know, how he should behave in the situation. He it, it's clear that he just does not have the tools to you know, be the right person for this young woman at this moment. <laughs> so right. Um, beyond so upon hearing this the girl tells him marriage would never work if her past weighs on him so much still giving him a chance kinda <laughs> and JR becomes enraged calls her a whore which yeah. uh, the way he says whore <laughs> is whore a million like a few times in a row uh, which I was like interesting yeah there's <laughs> some old-timey language it, yeah dames he talks about dames Bro- broads broads and whores yeah, broads. yeah yeah um but quickly recants and says he is confused by the whole situation she tells him to go home and he returns to the catholic church but finds no solace um i uh and that's and that's the film for the most part. i have a theory jeremy yeah so over this course of this film, I mean, this guy's turning bad, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. This guy's a bad apple. And we got this whole like sort of, you know, Catholic, you know, religion thing tying into it. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about Harvey Keitel later in this series, Jeremy. Do you know where? Mm. Can you guess Oh, the movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. In as uh in Little Nicky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically as the devil. I think that this movie, I think that that character is a continuation of JR. We are seeing JR <laughs> later in life the devil. become the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this moment that 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 throws him into a life of of just terror and and evil and uh later on he ends up uh, in, in you know having a son. <laughs> yeah, tormenting Kevin Nealon's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, um. <laughs> yeah. So who's the, who's that knocking at my at my door? Uh, you know, some things that we didn't mention and you wouldn't get from the plot is this has an amazing soundtrack. Like uh, we see, so a big thing, Eric. I'm sure you you know this, but for the listener, maybe who's new to Scorsese, um, Scorsese is known for his needle drops, right? Like his mm. big music set pieces where it's like slow motion and a rock and roll tune or an old like Motown tune. And it, it gives his films like this kind of iconic flavor to them. Like he like he was the doing that Tarantino needle drops way before Tarantino. Tarantino is ripping him off when he when he does his needle drops. It, it's all Scorsese. It all comes from him. Um that is uh that is so clear and evident right away in this film. There's an extended sequence where he has a which we didn't talk about in the film too where Kaitel uh, is imagining himself having sex, uh, weird sex I might add, with a prostitute. Um and it's all done to the doors uh that door song, uh, the end. And um 
Yeah, it's just like this film kind of like even though it's kind of got a like a pretty dramatic premise, still oozes in moments of of of, of, of coolness. It still kind of bleeds cool in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that score, that soundtrack, because you know one thing that I did notice about this movie, and you're right, the music is great, and when we when we have it, it's it's great. But I also noticed like the absence of music in this yeah. movie, yeah, uh, a lot, and I think that that's what. Um, you know, I think that's what really elevated. Like at the end, when we finally we get into, we're seeing all this imagery of like Jesus on the cross, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, all this all this stuff, and 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 we we I think we go back and we see some some more uh, clips of you know Scorsese's mom, you know, kneading dough or whatever, the dough. and and we're listening to you know who's that knocking mm-hmm. at my door? I mean, it's it's like it it. You're right. Needle, it's it's just like an expertly done, expertly timed needle drop. Um, and yeah, I'm looking. You know, that's I I hadn't even really thought about that that much. But yeah, you're right. There are um, I from what I remember, there is good music in in pretty much all Scorsese movies, and I, I I'm gonna yeah. be listening for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he he uses Gimme Shelter by the Stones in almost every one of his films <laughs> okay. uh, hilariously. Uh, but every time it's great, every single time great. it's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's he's just really good at at big moments, big sequences. Mm. And this film, you see early examples of that. You also see early examples of him using the camera in such a fun, unique way. Like he's he's really got an eye and for for cinema, and it you can tell that right away. Uh, this film is old. This is a film from 1967. Mm-hmm. It, it's trying to deal with sex and jealousy and, uh, consent and all these big ideas and just like, you know, uh, you know, uh, toxic masculinity, you know, machismo. Uh, and it's doing so, I think in a mostly, in a mostly good way. I mean, the punishment for Harvey Keitel in this film is he ends up alone as he should. And that is, I think, a good outcome. If they had ended up together, this film, I think, it would be less clear on how it feels about, <laughs> right? On how it feels about this poor woman. But I think because the film does understand that's not uh, that's not okay. Uh, it, it, you know, the character of Jr. Um, gets what Jr. deserves, and uh, to me, because it has that ending. And because it, uh, you know, it, it punishes him in that way, I'm, I, I am a fan of this film. I think, I think it is, I think it is actually pretty good. Um, I think that we're gonna see a lot. I, I mean, we only, it, it, we're gonna go way, way, way up from here. But I mean, it was, this was a cool experience watching watching this film. That, that's what I'll say. Uh, Eric, you want to? How do you feel about the film? And why don't you give it a score? So you know, when we when we discussed the films of Kubrick and Lynch, the very first film for from each, we had uh, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. We yes. had Fear and Desire, which is terrible, uh, <laughs> re- like truly, I think one of my least favorite movies of all time. <laughs> it's like really bad. That's so um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so and, funny. Uh, 
you know, and Eraser has probably one of my years, favorite movies. Yes, after all these years and everything he's done, a lot of <laughs> David Lynch fans still say Eraserhead is their favorite. It's, yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um. So I think that for me, this movie is kind of like right there in the middle, and mm. maybe to be honest with you, like just a hair closer to the fear and desire side. Sure. But definitely not nearly as bad as Fear and Desire. Um, I think that there's a lot of really interesting... You know, I was watching this movie and I was like, okay, when I, without knowing any of the backstory about like the production or anything, I was kind of like, oh, this is weird and I don't really know what's going on in st- mainly with like the, uh, you know, this gang of, you know, as I called them, Droog's Light wandering <laughs> around. I didn't understand that. There were some weird moments, and and I didn't know what I was supposed to feel about Kaitel's character. Um, I didn't didn't really know like what the take was or what what the you know uh, the end of it kind of tied things together a little bit for me. But after reading about this movie and understanding what it is and understanding that this is Scorsese, a guy who like you know just was just kind of like doing what he could to like get in there, you know, just to get a feature out. And, you know, he, he kind of like stitched these, uh, short films together and he was willing to like shoot this, you know, very bizarre sex scene, uh, you know, to get a theatrical release. Um, all to me, this movie is not really about the story. This movie is not about, you know, JR and what, uh, it's not about any of that. To me, this movie is about technique. I think Mm. this movie is about Scorsese wanting to say, here is, you know, this is kind of like the slice of life that I'm interested in showing. Um, This is how I can like direct actors because I do think these performances are really good. This is how I can shoot a picture Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it with all the resources that I have available to make like a 90 minute movie. And uh, I think he succeeds at that. I think I, you know, if I saw this movie, if I was at that film festival, I'd be like, yeah, I could see this guy like doing some great stuff. I think it's a pretty good movie. I, I'm going to give this. Uh... Hmm. We gave going overboard a one out of four, one out of four. <laughs> yeah, that's a one and for this, sure. I am you know, this seems bad, but it's not as I don't intend it to be as bad, but I do think I'm gonna like a lot of these movies way more than this. So yeah. I'm giving it a one point five. Ah you know what? I I'm gonna give it a one point seven five. That's going to be my score. And we're going to adjust these as we go. I just don't know how bad some of these Sandlers are going to get. So I want to give yeah. there some, let there be some room here, like between 1 and 1.75. And going overboard actually might climb. 
I can actually see that one climbing <laughs> yeah. up if depending on how bad Chuck and Larry is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with uh, 1.75. I mean, it's the guy. I mean, it's like it's it's. I, I mean, like you said, Bear, Eric, it's barely a film. <laughs> the movie is <laughs> You're right, like, right, like like uh, hanging together by shoestring. But it, it is kind of exciting. It reminds me of something like John Cassavetes might have done. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So, Jeremy, next week we're back in the sand zone. Yes, the beach. The we'll film? call it the beach. We're in the beach. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it Airheads next? So yeah, I think we'll you know, uh, and please know that we will will consider you know we'll consider visiting some of these films that uh, that he does the smaller roles in. But I do think the next major one for us to do on the main show is Airheads, Jeremy. And, okay, tight. Uh, Wait, well, what what would be the actual next the one? The actual be, is Shakes, Shakes the Clown. Shakes the Clown. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I want to watch Shakes the Clown at some point. I've actually wanted to watch that for a long time. That's a uh, that's a Bobcat Goldthwait film. Yeah. So we, I definitely want to, I definitely want to see Shakes. We'll uh, do some of these on the Patreon. We'll do well, any of these that we're like interested in or our Patreon patrons are interested in. Please, uh, you know, just just know that we will cover them on the Patreon. And if there's any that we like miss, just tweet at us at Hol- Hubie Halloween One. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we we want to cover. You know, there are going to be some that we. All, all of us collectively are not going to want to do an episode on um, going forward. I think Shakes the Clown, too, I'm kind of interested in covering at some point. But yeah, for the I next main that. episode, uh, next week we'll be doing Airheads. and uh, Are we going to do I, Mixed Nuts? Hmm. He seems like he has, like he's, his billing on, in that film is number, he's like eighth, but... It's or seventh. Um, man, I don't know. It's kind of hard to. It's kind of hard to know because because. I, I, but eventually, this won't be hard because a, right. after we get to Billy Madison, he he really like. It's so clear what's an Adam Sandler yeah, movie. Yeah, it's and what's like yeah. Deuce Bigelow, male Gigolo is not an Adam Sandler. Right, film. right. But Eight Crazy Nights is definitely one. Anger mm-hmm. Management is, but. Uh, freaking uh, uh, yeah. Basically, Paul Blart Mall Cop too. Paul, yeah, Paul Blart Mall Cop <laughs> is not is not one. Um, yeah, but okay, next perfect. week we'll 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 do Airheads and we'll probably do Shakes the Clown and Coneheads on the Patreon at some point, which is patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Ah, yes. Um, and uh, Jeremy, anything you want to plug? Not at all. All right. Um. Oh, I do want to say, you know, f- uh, the best way look into uh, wa- figuring out how you are going to watch Airheads now, uh, uh, oh. rather than later, because I did. Apparently, there's an issue similar to Northern Exposure, um, where some of the music rights for uh, oh. Airheads are like. You know, it's one of those situations where, like, the versions that are avail readily available don't have some of the original music. Um, 
I ended up ordering a, a DVD off of eBay. I don't know oh, okay. where else this movie is available. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't looked into streaming. Um, Dude, oh my gosh. Airheads, by the way, I, I loved this film. I'm, I'm looking right now. It has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. That can't be true. I think I'm still going to love this film. This is a movie that I'm really excited to revisit. Yeah, me too. This has got Chris Farley in it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk about Airheads next week. And Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Thank you.